0: Yo, 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 what's good, what's good, what's happening, everybody, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome me back, so I am so sorry to all of my faithful listeners, to all of my listeners in general, I am so sorry for the long absence, the hiatus, (laughs) But I am back. I am back in full action. I am so excited to be back. You guys don't you guys just don't know how much it was hurting me not to be able to record my podcast. Now, I must say, <clears throat> over the past couple of weeks, I know I haven't uploaded about three to four weeks and there's been so much going on. Um trust me, I have been all over the place. I have been dealing with life, uh college finals. You know, I I, I tell you guys this all the time. I told you this at the beginning of the year uh, when my school year started. But I am a current college student and final season came about me and I've just had to do a lot. Uh, So a lot of work, some work, just working, working, working. And trust me, I've been still paying attention to sports. It's still the same me. Um, I know you guys. I, I know I have been I have been MIA, missing in action for a while now. I promise you, I am back. The long hiatus was somewhat unexpected. I have still been going on many. I've been going on different platforms, um, and uh, you know, still giving my sports takes and giving my analysis of certain things that has transpired in the past uh, in the past few weeks. Uh, such as the NFL Draft, NBA Playoffs. I am so I'm deeply hurt that I have not been able to give you guys my playoff predictions and takes, uh, my NFL Draft predictions and outlooks. But I, I promise you guys, I can assure you guys that we are back, full in action, fully loaded. We are back. Um, and I'm going to give you guys, <clears throat> I've missed a lot, I, I'm a, so I'm going to cover a lot of ground. I'm going to cover a lot of ground, but I am super, super excited to be back. Super excited to be back. I don't know if you guys can hear it in my voice, but I'm super excited to be back. And I, it, like I said, it crushed me that I was not able to provide and give out content because I've been so used to doing it on a weekly basis for the past almost going on three years. July would make it three years of this podcast existence. So I have just, it's just something that like I do on a weekly basis. And for me not to be able to do it over the past few weeks, just, it hurts me. So I hope you guys understand. Thank you guys for sticking in. Once again, like I always say, this is your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kit of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. Like I said, we got a lot to get into, um, and I want to I want to talk about the NBA playoffs. Uh, I want to talk about the NBA playoffs. I have some things on my agenda. I might dig into a couple NFL stories and rumors, um, but it's a lot of NBA content. And I know my MB- I know the NBA content. My NBA fans have been dying for more NBA content, dying for it. So I'm going to give it to you. Um, second round matchups between the, the Phoenix Suns, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies, and then out East we had the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Celtics, and then Philadelphia 76ers versus the Heat. So those are those are our matchups for the second round. Um, those that I, 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 you know, these are the teams. Um, that I kind of I predicted, like most of my first round series. I know I know I wasn't able to give it to you guys, but I predicted that these would be the matchups for the most part. I got a couple wrong, but for the most part, these were the matchups that I predicted that would transpire and happen in the second round. And I'm more than I'm more than happy to go into each series individually one by one. Um so I'm excited to be back though, y'all. Uh so let's go. I'm ready. Now, I tell you this. Let's start with the Golden State and the Memphis series. I think we have an interesting series here. And I, I'm a, I, I'm picking Golden State to win this series, um, six or seven games. I think Golden State's going to win this series. I think uh, ultimately they have the experience. Uh, I think they play better defense at times, situationally. And I think way too many times, even the game that they lost in game two, even game two, despite the Warriors losing, and John Morant had a phenomenal game, had a phenomenal game. But despite the Warriors losing, the Warriors were still able to get really good looks. They get two, they like they get so many open looks. It's just that in Game One the shots were falling. Game Two the shots weren't falling. They went seven for thirty-eight from three. So that 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 really just encapsulate Game Two, and the Grizzlies really needed Game Two. Now I know there's some controversy around Dylan Brooks and his hard foul on Gary Payton the second. Now I say this. This is my personal thing. My personal opinion. The Draymond foul on Brandon Clark in game one, I didn't find it dirty. I did not agree with the officiating and the official. I didn't agree with the officiating in game one at all. I thought there was some bad calls in game one uh, overall, but I think the Draymond, the Draymond green ejection definitely stands out. So I did not think that Brandon Clark foul that Draymond committed, I didn't think it was a dirty foul. I didn't think it warranted him being ejected. Um, you know, Draymond, you know, he he running off, he's running off when he found out he got ejected and kind of celebrating and dancing and so forth. Warriors went on to win that game. But the Grizzlies obviously did not think that that Draymond Green, like, like they obviously thought. That was a dirty play. And if you hear Draymond talk about it at the end, Draymond kind of explains as to why he committed that foul on Brandon Clark. And it's a sense of Draymond is a physical player. Brandon Clark is a very athletic, really twitchy guy who is a tenacious rebounder. So if Draymond can find any little way to intimidate him because Draymond athletically just can't match with Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark is a much younger guy. Uh go, you know, Draymond is it, it, you know, really cerebral physical player. So he, he he can't match athleticism, but if he can intimidate Brandon Clark a little bit where Brandon Clark has some hesitancy Going up for certain rebounds, going up and trying to, you know, show off his athleticism. Hopefully, in Draymond's case, in the Warriors' case, his intimidation is com- comes into play, and he's a bit hesitant, right? Well, the Grizzlies then, the Grizzlies thought that obviously that was a, a dirty play, and the Dylan Brooks foul was certainly, absolutely a tone setter. It was a, it was a revenge. You know, it was it was very revengeful, revengeful um, foul. It was a it was a hard foul on their guy. Memphis is this young, hungry team. I talked about it. All, I talked about it on someone else's podcast about the Memphis Grizzlies. They don't even. Ha- they're a very young team. They don't even have a guy that's that's thirty. All of the Grizzlies players are under thirty. I think the oldest guy is Steven Adams, and he's 28. So he's so he's approaching 30, but he's not even 30 yet. <laughs> he's he, he's still 28. But the Grizzlies are a young, emerging, and feisty team led by John Morant. And that Dylan Brooks foul was a retaliation to what happened with Brandon Clark. And like I said, my personal opinion, my personal preference and reference of what I saw, I didn't think the Draymond Green foul was a hard foul. But the Grizzlies didn't take it that way. The Grizzlies saw it as, you know, Draymond trying the Draymond and the Warriors trying to intimidate them, which they were. And the Grizzlies retaliated and set the tone early for game 2, and ultimately they stole they got a game at home and they're going back to Golden State tied 1-1 and we officially have a series we officially have a series. And I think this, this series is so interesting. It's so many elements. But I think the one big thing that kind of correlates with the hard fouls and the intimidation is Golden State is this, is one of the older teams' championship pedigree that, you know, they're trying to get they're, – they're, they're really desperately trying to get one more championship um, in this run with Steph, with this core with Steph and Clay and Draymond. They have this young, exciting, emerging star in Jordan Poole. And the Warriors, they have – it's a big brother feel about them. Whereas with the Grizzlies, Memphis, like I said, young, emerging team. And I think we're having the clash of older veteran team, championship pedigree. They know what it takes to win championships as far as their core – and the, and the Grizzlies are very much young and but they are really, they're, they're going to give Golden State a series, I think. So that's what's really interesting about this series, where Golden State, they tried to intimidate Memphis in the first game, and Golden State won game one, phenomenal showing by Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. But then game two, Memphis is like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on there. Memphis is like, hold on there one second. You guys are not going to intimidate us. We know you're the Warriors. You have Steph Curry, Glade Thompson. Like, no, 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 no. But we're going to set the tone early for game two. That's what Dylan Brooks did. And I know some people are like, oh, well, Dylan Brooks, there's just no place for that in the game of basketball. And I'm like, are we serious? I hear so many people. So many people fantasize, fantasize and just nostalgically talk about the bad boy Pistons and the and the '90s Knicks. Like I hear, so many people fantasize about those teams. They we hell. ESPN has thirty for thirty documentaries on those teams on those times. So we it's funny how we we pick and choose at times. And for and and hear me out. I don't want to see any player get hurt. I'm not I'm not saying I want to see players get hurt. But it's just so funny how at certain times we pick and choose what side we are on because I swear there is so many people, media on the internet, social media where we glamorize and just and fetishize and nostalgically talk about the bad boy Pistons. And how basketball used to be physical, and how the games used to be rough and rugged. And then Dylan Brooks, you know, I, I and I get it. I, I think Dylan Brooks that was a that was obviously a dirty play. Like I said, the men the, like the Grizzlies, they did that intentionally because they were retaliating. They are retaliating to what the Warriors did in Game One. Um, but I had no problem with it. Now, obviously, like I said. I'm not rooting for players to get hurt I don't want to see any career threatening injuries I don't even want to see an injury that I saw from Gary Payton the second but I, I so I, I'm not rooting for injuries I'm not rooting for players to get hurt or to injure themselves but we do have intensity this that's something that the NBA especially in its regular season it lacks the NBA lacks it, it lacks intensity the regular season for the for, for at least half of it it it's not intense. It's very lollygag. It's it, it's it's not as intense. But with this second round Western Conference semi playoff matchup, this is intensity. This is intense. This series will be a good series. Um, and like I said, I'm picking Golden State to win. I think Golden State is a less flawed team. I think Golden State, um, in both games have gotten. So many good looks, so many opportunities, I, and I just I always just find it curious. Like, like I during game one, um, or I really like really after the result of game one. But I was I was tweeting it out in the middle of game one, and I was like, it is so it's just so crazy to watch, um, or not even crazy, but impressive to see the undersized Warriors get second chance opportunities at the rate that they do, um, but. Overall, I think the Grizzlies, young team, they're feisty. I thought that was a uh you know a retaliation move um with Dylan Brooks hand. And I'm not mad at it. Brung some intensity. We have a series now. In this series, uh this would be a good series. This should be a really good series. I'm I'm not I'm not mad at that at all. Uh like I say, I think the Warriors will win six or seven games, but um Memphis yeah. I I like this move by Memphis. I like it. Now, um, I want to shift gears to Baker Mayfield. And this is going to be really quick. But Baker Mayfield now, so he requested a trade, you know, at the start of, like, the NFL offseason. He saw, especially when, so when Cleveland got Deshaun Watson or were actively going after Deshaun Watson, the writing was on the wall that Baker Mayfield's time as a, Cleveland Brown starting quarterback was about over, and you know he requested a trade. I talked about how I, I like. First of all, there's a certain caliber of player that requests his trades, and they get like accepted and deals get done. I.e., like Deshaun Watson. I.e., like Russell Wilson. Those guys have the equity to request a trade, and the franchise did it. Um. With Baker Mayfield, he requested a trade. He is nowhere near the status of those guys. And I'll give you some quick numbers. Since entering the league, Baker Mayfield is he's either ranked 22nd or worse in touchdowns, passer rating, completion percentage, accuracy, since entering the league. He's, He's ranked 22nd or worse. And to really give you a full body of work, a full to like really encapsulate what is happening with Baker Mayfield currently, his current status, his fifth year option. It, it, so first of all, Baker Mayfield probably not gonna be a starting quarterback this year. He will. He he will probably. It's very unlikely that Baker Mayfield week one of this upcoming NFL season will be a starting quarterback. And a bit some of half of the reason is. Like many are questioning if Baker Mayfield is a starting quarterback, like if he's capable of being that. But then also, the other portion is his financials the financial and the price tag that comes with Baker Mayfield. And he's making, he's set to make 18, nearly close to $19 million this year, fifth year option. Now, the Browns can. They can swallow a lot of that money and they just trade him and they get like some, they get some throw around pick, like a sixth or seventh rounder. And the team might take Baker on as a backup, but the Browns, you know, they have to eat his salary or he stays in Cleveland and they just play it out or they may cut him. Here's the, here is the like, the deal with Baker Mayfield. Here's the deal breaker. This is the dilemma. You know, I know a lot of people like exotic cars. Exotic cars. I'm talking like Bentleys, Rolls Royces. You know, I know a lot of people. You know, the raffes are really, really in these days, right? You know, like I said, Bentleys, Rolls Royces, Maybacks. You know, you 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 have you, you guys know the exotic cars. For those who, and I'm not talking about people that can, like, just randomly afford it. But for those who have the desire of wanting a Bentley or an exotic car, typically the dilemma is these cars aren't everyday cars. The exotic, sexy-looking cars, right? The, the, The Bentleys, the Ferraris. The problem that a lot of people run into, the dilemma, is they're not everyday cars. They can't be used every day. So it costs too much to only use these cars for an occasion or for weekends and just to have it sitting. So in this in this context, it's kind of weird, but in this context, Baker Mayfield, it, it, he's an exotic car in terms of his price tag and his – or, you know, his price tag and teams not being able to use him. Baker Mayfield costs too much for a team to use him, and he costs too much to be a backup, but he can't be a team's starter. So there – so then there's no place for him. There's no place for him. And just like a lot of people that fetishize – And that just want this, you know. They everybody wants to, you know. A lot of people want. A lot of dudes want exotic cars: Bentley, Rolls Royces, Ferrari. The dilemma is, they cost too much to only use on occasion. They cost too much to only use on occasion. occasion. So for the most part, you just have it sitting around, and it costs way too much to do that. And with teams that's Baker Mayfield. That is how Baker Mayfield looked to other teams. His price tag is too high for teams to have him as a backup and he can't be your starter. That's that's how Baker Mayfield is an exotic car. Take that how you want it. It's not it's not a compliment. <laughs> I know I'm comparing Baker Mayfield to a, a, a an exotic good-looking car or cars, but he in that context it is not a compliment because as of right now there is limited use f- for Baker Mayfield around the league carolina drafted a quarterback pittsburgh drafted a quarterback seattle uh, seattle was like uh our interest is room temperature so you look at the teams you know possible jobs that baker could land That no longer exists. That field, that market no longer exists. And his $19 million price tag is too hefty for teams, for, for him to only be a backup on teams. The $19 million price tag is just too hefty. So Baker Mayfield right now is stuck. He is stuck. And that is the best way I can describe the Baker Mayfield situation right now. He's an exotic car in the context of, you know how people want exotic cars. Dudes fetishize over exotic cars and Rolls Royces and Bentleys, but they're not everyday cars. They're not everyday cars. They're expensive, and you can't, you can only use it, you only, you're only going to use it on occasion. You're only going to pull out the Bentley during the weekends where it's a nice 75-degree day on a Saturday. You're only going to pull it out during that time. So it's too expensive just to be sitting and only use for occasion, and that is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a hefty – he comes with a hefty price tag. You can't. He can't be your starter. You He's too expensive to be your backup. So there's no use for him. And there's just like there's no use for a Rolls Royce if you are in a predicament where you just can't, like, just afford it just outwardly. If you can't afford an exotic car just outwardly and and afford to have it just sitting around the garage, you probably shouldn't get that car. That probably should not be the car that you purchase or finance. And that is Baker Mayfield. That is his current situation in state right now. (laughs) <laughs> and I know a lot of people like, oh, you're just trolling him. Oh, you're just coming after him. Oh, you're hitting him with low blows. No, no, no. I'm just like, you know, this is my podcast. And I talk a lot of Baker. And, like, <laughs> I give Baker credit. So, You know, some of my listeners probably wouldn't even listen to me if I did not talk about Baker. So so I give Baker a little bit of credit for that. But right now, Baker Baker Mayfield's situation part of it is due to his play which has not been really good. You look at his years in the NFL, 6 wins, 6 wins, 11 wins, 6 wins. What's the anomaly? Oh, the 11 win season. What's the mean? What's the constant? 6 win seasons. He has he like there's just so mi- there's so much evidence pointing towards Baker Mayfield right now in terms of him not being a starting quarterback, not being a starter, a starting level caliber quarterback. There's just so many metrics, so many stats, so many eye test things that you just see. Granted, granted, this you know the second half of the the latter part of this past year, this past season, he was banged up. He 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 he's a tough guy. Never questioned Baker's toughness, but but in terms of his value right now around the league, in terms of his future in the NFL as of right now, it is really, really dim. And a lot of it, like like I said, some of it has to do with his play. Some of it has to do with his cockiness and his personality. And then some of it has to do with, a lot of it has to do with his $19 million price tag. Teams would take Baker on as a backup, but they they won't they're not gonna take him on as a backup with a nineteen million dollar price tag. They're just not gonna do that, and that right there is the current state of Baker Mayfield. That's the best I can describe it. He's an exotic car in that context. It's not a compliment. Not a compliment at all. Um, so it's a lot going on. I'm going to get back to the NBA playoffs. I'm going to shift back to the NBA and I want to talk about another series. Um, and I want to talk about the state of a team and I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks series and more so about the Dallas Mavericks. The Suns, so the Suns, they have a 2-0 lead. Dominant second half performances from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. They actually they just they just turned up the heat um and they came out with the victory. So the series is going back to Dallas, but the Phoenix Suns lead two games to zero. And with Phoenix, you know, Phoenix was the favorite coming into the series. Uh Phoenix has been probably the most consistent team throughout the league from start to from start to right now, they've been the most consistent. You know, injuries, no injuries, they just have been clicking. They're they're a constant. They you know what you're getting when you watch Phoenix. I want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks though. And Luca <clears throat> Luka Don Luka Dontich, you guys all know. If you're if you're listening to this podcast, you guys should know that I am huge on Luka Doncic. Um, I think he's one of the. I think he's one of the shining, brightest stars, young stars that the NBA has to offer. I think this guy. He's already. He already has been in MVP conversations, but I think he. I think he'll win a couple MVP awards. Um, I think he's, I, I just think he's bound to be one of the more notable faces and faces of the faces of the league uh very soon to come. And the Mavericks they're they're fortunate. And I'm going to say and before I even go into depth about this situation with the Mavericks and Luka Doncic, I'm going to say this. Like I said, Luka Doncic is going to be a guy over the over the next 7 to 8 years. He's going to be a guy that's going to be one of the five best players in basketball. So with that being said, most years the Mavericks will be in playoff contention. They will find themselves deep into the playoffs in the second round, the conference finals, just due to his greatness because that's how damn good he is. But the Mavericks are now they're in the same predicament they was in they were the, that they were in with Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk um, now, Luca, Luca's better. Luca's better than Dirk, um, in terms of. Like Luca at his age right now, and Dirk Nowitzki at at Luca's age, Luca was was light years better, um, light years better. Now, obviously, Dirk Nowitzki had that one. He had a one. He had one really great playoff run in 2011 where he he shocked a lot of. I mean, the Mavericks themselves shocked the world, the NBA world with some of the the upsets that they pulled off during that playoff run, and that's how. Dirk Nowitzki captured his uh one and only championship but for years the Mavericks lacked a number two guy to put beside Dirk Nowitzki like I said Nowitzki was really good great all-time great hall of fame player but the Mavericks struggled for a long time to give him a legitimate second option um like I said they were the mavericks always found themselves in playoff contention some years they would make really deep runs some years they would have great regular seasons and then have some underwhelming playoff performances and so forth or, or outcomes and now we have the same case here with Luka Doncic where the mavericks don't have a legitimate second option and let me and let me let me preference my words like legitimate right Jalen Brunson is a really good player. I think he's developed into a really good player. And due to his performance versus Utah in the first round, he probably will get paid. Spencer Dinwiddie, a really good player. But the gap between Luka and Jalen Brunson and and, and Spencer Dinwiddie, it's a little too wide. It's a little too wide. The gap between Luka Doncic and Jalen Brunson, is too wide it's too wide of a gap for the dallas mavericks to be you know championship contenders to be like legitimate threats now there were some people that that could see that you know a lot of people said hey the mavericks could be champions they could be finals dark horses you know they can be a team that come out the west they can be a dark horse and i agree because Luca. that's how great Luca is that's a testament to how great luca Doncic is Um, And I must say, Jason Kidd has done a really good job uh, in his first year in Dallas. But Dallas, they, in order for them to win games and to win playoff series, they need unusual and untendency spikes. They need, you know, they, they need a bunch of threes to fall. You know, Dallas... They don't – you don't know what you're getting. They're very unpredictable. You know, Luke – you know what you're getting from Luca. Luca's going to give you, you know, his points, his, his assist numbers, his playmaking and so forth. He's going to give you that. That's a given. But from – but from any other – anywhere else in terms of the supporting cast, it's very unpredictable And in order for Dallas to, like, sustain success in the postseason. They have to have, like, these unusual – spikes and they have to hit a bunch of threes the other team has to miss shots and ultimately that can be that can be enough to win you a playoff series but when you run up when you run up against a team like Phoenix where Phoenix they play the same game every night they play the same game every night and with a team like Dallas, they just struggle with consistency in terms of the supporting cast at times. They struggle with consistency. And like I said, in, in, for, in order for them to win games in the playoffs and win playoff series, they have to have these unusual spikes. You know, you know, uh, uh, Luka uh, Luca and Jalen Brunson have to go for 35. You know, they, as a team, they got to hit 20 plus threes. They got to shoot efficiently from three. They need these unusual spikes. That's not going to happen every night. And it's not going to happen four out of seven times versus a really good team. It's just not going to happen. So that's the problem with Dallas. And in particular with this series, unlike Dallas was able to take advantage of Rudy Gobert on the defensive end, because Rudy Gobert, they would Dallas would go small and, you know, Rudy Gobert would have to go out into the perimeter and try to contest three-point shots. The problem with that is or the problem with Utah and Rudy Gobert is that Rudy Gobert didn't have enough moves offensively to combat what Dallas was doing offensively. But Phoenix, that is not the case. Dallas cannot pick on Deandre Ayton how they picked on, how they picked on Rudy Gobert. Granted, Rudy Gobert is a better defender. Rudy Gobert is a he's a perennial defensive player of the year candidate, but he struggles on the other side. And Aiden, Aiden can give you more moves. Aiden has more of an offensive repertoire in his game to make you pay on the other end. Rudy Gobert couldn't make the Mavericks, he couldn't punish. The Mavericks for going small. <laughs> DeAndre Aiden can. So that's the that's the that's really the one key difference in this series between the first round series and the second round series. Rudy Gobert, yeah, great defensive big, but he can't he can't combat. He can't come back and do and you know go head for head on offense. He can't take advantage of the small Mavericks inside offensively. DeAndre Aiden can. So, that's the one big thing. But in terms of the state of the Mavericks, like I said, they're going to have uh they're going to have they have a Hall of Fame talent on the hand right here with Luka Doncic. He's going to be a top 5 player. He's going to be a top 5 player over for over the next 7 to 8 years. And throughout this run, if they're not, you know, granted if they're able to find a second option or not, Luka Doncic is going to be so good and good enough where he has you and he's going to have you in second round series. He might even get you to a conference finals, a couple, like he's going to have you in the midst of contention, but the Mavericks won't be real contenders until they find a second option that pairs better with Luka and, um, and the gap isn't so wide. Like I said, I think Jalen Brunson is a fine player. I think he's a really good player, um, but he's not a second option on the championship team. He's a really good player, but not a second option on the championship team. And the 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 the, the margin and the gap between him, between Luka and Jalen Brunson, is just a little too wide for the Mavericks to be championship contenders. So that's my take on the Mavericks that's my state of the Mavericks that's where i that's where that's where they're currently at um, and like it's always good for a franchise to like have like like a once in a generational type talent a type player like luka like lebron like kd but often it's very hard to find a second option that can match what they do and especially with luka's playstyle luka's very ball dominant very ball heavy so, he's going to control a lot of the game. So, you got to find the right second option that can play off of Luka. Because Luka's is special. But you got to find the right second option that can play off of him. Whether that's a superstar big or a wing that can really shoot it and don't need the ball. The Dallas Mavericks have to figure that out. Um, they have to figure that out very soon. But that is currently... What they're what they're having trouble with versus Phoenix, and they don't fix it, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a it's gonna be a stumbling block and a roadblock until it's fixed, especially in the Western Conference. Um, so that's that. Now I want to move on to um the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers series. The Heat one seed pretty really really dominant performance uh in the first round versus atlanta they they like they just shut down trey young um and you know philadelphia they had a they, you know they had a pretty decent uh series versus uh toronto but obviously Embiid suffered the orbital injury and concussion he had a concussion so the first two games have effectively gone miami's way and I know a lot of the point of emphasis, obviously James Harden is catching a lot of flack. Doc Rivers is catching some flack. Um, and I want to talk about James Harden. I, I think I tweeted out the other day. I was like, James Harden was once the guy that scored 452 points in the span of 11 games. Like, I know that's like a random stat and like it's it, it it it's so random. But he was once that guy that scored a hundred I mean four hundred and fifty two points in eleven games four hundred and fifty two points in eleven games. That's insane. That is and like for, for you guys to understand that, because I did the math, that is 41 points in that span. He averaged 41 points in a span of 11 games. That was once James Harden. That was like, that was once him. Like He was the guy that dropped 40. He dropped 35, 40 like it was nobody's business. Used to. No longer does. He is no longer that player. And as a professional athlete, when you decline, when you start going down the hill, it goes down fast. Fast, fast, fast. So, I mean, I don't know what happened. Game two, James Harden, 6 for 15, 20 points. He is no longer, obviously, he is not a first option. But James Harden is not even a second option anymore. He's a third option. Tyrese Maxey, I would say, is the second best player in the 76ers currently. James Harden is not even the second option on Philadelphia's roster right now. That says a lot. So fall from grace. James Harden. Philadelphia 76ers and Daryl Moy thought they were getting James Harden. Instead, they got Mark Henry. (laughs) And I know, might be a low blow. Might be a little insult, um, but that's how bad he's looked, and and not even, not even say bad, but just underwhelming because a lot of people had high hopes about Harden working out with Embiid. Honestly, now that James Harden looks like a third option, staying in Brooklyn may have been the best option. I mean, I mean, because at least in Brooklyn, you could have effectively been the third option where you have obviously KD, then you have Kyrie, who, you know, is a scorer at heart. And then Harden could, he could, he can give you his 20 points in eight or nine assists, eight or nine assists and be good. But he's in Philadelphia and the fans of Philadelphia and the expectations around Philadelphia was that James Harden was going to be this effective second option perimeter player that Joel Embiid has been missing that's what we that's what the that was the expectation and I could have sworn the first game his first game as a 76er people were saying oh my god this is Kobe and Shaq Kobe and Shaq and boy oh boy he this is this is not Kobe and Shaq this is this is not Kobe and Shaq so the fall from grace with Harden is <clears throat> i always talk about it i haven't i haven't talked about it much as of late but i've but i've always brought this point up in terms of maintaining your body keeping your body in shape for athletes and i've always stressed the importance of it it's no coincidence that harden even at 32 33 years of age like at 32 33 James Harden, with especially with his play style, like the way he plays, he should last. Like he doesn't, I mean, he he kind of, he takes contact. Um, At times he can be a bit physical, but you look at his shape, you look at how he's built, you look at his play style, for the most part, it's not like, it's not depending on athleticism. But when you have, when you're like, when you have nightlife, when, you, when you're when you not taking care of your body properly, this is what happens. This is what it looks like. A guy who once averaged 35 points per game and 30 points per game like it was nobody's business is now a guy who is effectively a third option on a championship team. And I know... The The interesting part to all of this is that at the at the end of the season, James Harden is eligible for a four year max extension. And I know there's been some people that have said, hey, I will pump the brakes on that. I will pump the brakes on a four year extension on James Harden. And tell me this. Tell me if this sounds like something you would do. Aging, depreciating, declining star, who often is not in shape. Give him a four-year max extension. Nah, 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 nah. That don't sound like something I would do. <laughs> that don't sound like something I would do. Um, and I have a good feeling. Daryl Morey, James Harden. His James is guy. I have a feeling Philadelphia is probably going to sign him to the four-year max extension. That's my gut. That's what my gut feeling is telling me. They're going to probably sign him to a four-year max extension. But just looking at Harden and the fall from grace is just amazing because and, and like it's the like it's just so shocking. And this is not what Philadelphia thought they were getting. Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Joel Embiid awkward like they thought they were getting a second option on a championship team the perimeter threat that Ben Simmons was not and that the perimeter threat that Joel Embiid needs to go hand in hand with his dominance on the block and James Harden has not been that Tyrese Maxey has effectively Tyrese Maxey is he's the second option in Philadelphia. He's the second best player in Philadelphia. And I don't see a lot of problems with this Philadelphia roster honestly. Um like I don't. I don't I think outside of Joel and B, they lack size. Um I think they lack some bench production. They could definitely use a stronger bench. Um but in terms of the core, the core pieces that they have I like what the 76ers have. Embiid, I wish he could stay a little healthy. I, I wish he could stay a bit healthy, but Embiid is a superstar. He had an MVP. He's had two back-to-back MVP caliber seasons. You have Tyrese Maxey, who is, I think, the second best player in the 76ers, and he's an emerging star in his league. Tobias Harris, price tag is a little up there. He's a little pricey, but he is a, he, he's, still, he's a better-than-average wing small forward power forward type of guy he's a guy that can give you 20 on any given night matisse steibel is one of the one of the league's premier um three and d players so like i like the core pieces that philadelphia has it's just that i'm i'm gonna be very i'm gonna be very interested and intrigued to see what they do with this james harden situation because Many people would say Philadelphia probably won the trade with the Ben Simmons and James Harden swap. But would Philadelphia be willing to trade James Harden again? Uh I don't know. And like I said, I think Daryl Morey is James Harden like James is his guy. So he probably gets the extension, but boy, Philadelphia, they may have to look um they may have to look like if they sign James Harden to this four-year extension, they effectively become salary cap strapped, and they can't—they don't have much flexibility to like add, you know, pieces to their bench, add more size, um, outside of Joel and Embiid, and that's what they're really struggling with. They're playing a DeAndre Jordan right now, who like—I don't know if you guys have watched, but like, I watch the games just like you watch the games. DeAndre Jordan, like. He looks retired. Like, he looks retired. It's just that nobody has announced it yet. But he looks like he's effectively retired. It's just that nobody has announced it. So that's who Philadelphia is depending on as Joel Embiid is missing the first two games of the series. And I think he's out for game three as well. So that's who Philadelphia is depending on in in terms of a fill-in spot for their big. So Philadelphia, like I said, their their, their core is fine. Um. They have their they have a peculiar situation with James Harden. Doc Rivers many question if he is um, overrated as a coach. I can't really properly judge him right now because he don't have his best player, but the it's clear what the 76ers need. More bench production, more pieces on the bench, and more size. And with them signing giving you know giving Harden a contract extension, It'll make them it'll make it make them less flexible to do these type of things. Um That's that. That's what I have to say. That's my point. That's that's my take. I I, I don't know what else. It, it 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 they they lack flexibility. Like James Harden can no longer beat guys off the dribble. He can no longer beat guys off the dribble. He can no longer get around guys as you know as crafty as he once was he he he's no longer that he is no longer that no longer that james harden had a great you like know offensively he had like a five or six year stretch where offensively he was great awesome to watch and i like james harden but i'm just telling him like it is I think for what he is right now, him standing Brooklyn as the third option better fits who the player he is right now. Because right now, he's he's effectively a third option. He's a guy that's going to give you 18 points, 18 to 20 points with eight assists, eight or nine assists. Like, he's going to do that for you. He's going to still bring that playmaking. But he is no longer a second option, um, and that's what Philadelphia thought they were getting. Simple as that. Um, that's what Philadelphia thought they were getting. Um, quick, I want to go quick. Um, on the Boston and Milwaukee series, I think this is this is another really interesting series where I pick I, I pick Boston to win this series in seven games. Um, I think it'll be really tough though. I honestly think that Giannis, he could still he ought well they, the Bucks have already stole one at home. I mean at Boston. Um they go back home for this weekend for the uh, for game three. So we'll see what happens there. But I picked Boston in seven. Um uh, Milwaukee Milwaukee's size in game one gave Boston a lot of trouble in terms of scoring in the paint um and trying to get inside buckets. I thought Boston in game one was very, very three happy. Um, and I thought at times you could, at, at glaring times, you could see Boston, you can see the need of a real point guard. That is something that Boston has lacked for years, where they have struggled to find a, f- a like a floor general, a real pure point guard that's looking to play make. Um, because Boston, they 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 get into these stretches where they go very ISO heavy. Um, they 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 get very ISO happy, very three happy. Uh, at at times, so that's that. With 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 Boston, I think with 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 Malky, they gotta find ways for Giannis to get some efficient looks. Giannis has been struggling to shoot the ball this in this series his percentages are way down from what we usually have been seeing from him. So, Milwaukee got to find a way to get him easier baskets and easier touches around the rim. Um but in terms of Milwaukee, you know, getting games at home, obviously their other guys going to have to play well. Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, Brook Lopez. Um I think their front court that their front court lineup is very very excellent, um especially on defense. Where they have Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Bobby Portis. I think I will I want to see that lineup, that front court lineup run together a little bit more because uh with you know the things they can do on defense in terms of their length and size, it can give Boston a lot, a lot of trouble. But ultimately, I think Boston will win in seven games. Wouldn't be surprised if Giannis pulled it out though. Um, but this we have an interesting pl- we have interesting playoff series for sure. Um it looks like that Phoenix and Dallas series is probably going to go 5 games. Luka I think it'd be good enough to get one game at home, but I think effectively, like I said, Dallas they need too many things to go in their direction. Like they had they need these they, 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 like they need these spikes. They need these unusual highly unlikely spikes in order to win a playoff series like this. They need, they need to hit 23s, 20, 20 plus threes. They need turn, like they just need these unintended spikes where Phoenix, they play the same way every game. And consistency is key, chemistry is key. That's something that Phoenix has. So Phoenix, I think effectively we're winning five games. Like I said, luca be good enough. He's been good enough in both game in the first two games, but um he'd be good enough to win one game. home and um then phoenix you know i think we'll close out at phoenix uh in game five so that's what i have for you guys today hope you guys enjoyed i am so so excited to be back i will be back really soon with another episode i'm gonna be just i'm gonna just be giving you guys so much content because i've missed some i missed some time i missed this is the most time i've ever missed so i apologize about that once again But always remember, two choices, one decision. Your boy will be back soon, soon, soon. I'll be back with another episode. We'll probably talk about some NFL content and stuff like that. But I hope you guys enjoy. Peace, deuces. I'm out, gone.